Great. Right. Ready, ready to rumble with this one, man. Ready to rumble. Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, uh, welcome in. Hopefully you can hear everyone okay. Um, this is Dojo Talk Cinema. We're going to be ranking the most popular uh, chess movies of all time. Uh, we might have missed some, so let us know if we did, and we'll let you know our thoughts on them. These were just all the ones we could think of off the top of our heads that we've seen. I think at least one of us has seen everything on the list. Um, and if we haven't, maybe we'll just abstain from, from the conversation. Um, but yeah, you guys can let us know what you think as well. Uh, I believe I put them in chronological order. I'm not sure I might've missed one or two, but generally that's kind of what we're aiming for here. And Neil Bruce says there's only one immortal, so this should be a good fight. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, all right. So... Okay, Jesse, you had something to say about my categories here. <laughs> right. So, you know, Kosi sent us this earlier. I kind of like the format. But one thing that's really interesting is Kosia is such a, like, gentle person. And I think it's mostly as a millennial. And so what I realized is that when a millennial tells you that your stuff, your output is meh, he really means it's the worst thing he's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the way millennials talk, you know, so meh, that's going to be the bottom of the barrel. And it's funny, the millennials, they're like, worth watching? No, if something's below good, it's not actually worth watching, you know, so that's another way that they're like, you know, right. they so don't want to tell you straight, the millennials. Maybe, maybe Kosia can clarify for us what that yellow um, category is then, right? Like, what, what does worth watching mean, Kosia? I'll be honest with you guys, I almost didn't even have a meh category, but I was like, no, there has to be something below. Maybe there is, because I haven't seen a few of these, so maybe they are just total garbage and like not worth watching. Um, mm -hmm. So I had that category. But for me, with the worth watching category, what that means is make up your own mind. You know, you might like it. You know, I didn't like it. See, that's that's where the millennials are coming from. We understand just because we don't like something doesn't mean that no one else can like it. In fact, that's what makes the world so beautiful is that people can like all sorts of things. Not everything is worth liking, don't get me wrong. Some things are belong in trash, period. <laughs> but as when it comes to like movies, you know, I mean, in good faith, like I'm sure someone likes most of these movies. <laughs> so that's why I just felt like, you know. But worth watching is more like certifying that you know it's worth watching, not like I'm not sure if this is worth watching, maybe for somebody it is. Mm, no, for me, it means like worth watching and making up your own mind. Like, don't let me tell you, oh, you don't watch this. Like, you watch it, and then if you don't like it, then I, I might agree with you, but it doesn't mean I think everyone's going to hate it. All right. Well, uh, we could, I guess we, it'll be a little hard to start in chronological order, but we, let's just say it's interesting when you rank them in, or you put them in chronological order that so much of it is recent, right? It's just an interesting fact to just kind of put out there where yeah. we're well past the Fisher boom, but you know, we're doing a retrospective on so much of this is about Fisher. <laughs> There's so much of this is ultimately about Fisher. Um, Definitely the Queen's Gambit is, even though Fisher is never mentioned, is a lot of ways about Fisher. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, that's just interesting to me. Also, we should mention, of course, that some, some many of these are based on books. And let's just, so we got Lugine Defense is based on a book, Queen of Katva is based on a book, Searching for Bobby Fisher based on a book, and of course, 
Queen's Gambit Basin book. Arguably, Pawn Sacrifice is also based on uh, the Frank Brady Fisher book. Mm -hmm. So, so I just the reason I mentioned that is a lot of those books, like the Queen's Gambit, were written a long time ago and only now are getting put into be a movie. So the chrono chronology isn't quite, you know, it's a little bit de deceptive. <laughs> right. But yeah, let's start with the first one. This is the uh, Delusion Defense starring John Turturro, I think. Just, just real quick to Jesse's point, Queen to Play is also based on a novel called La Joueuse d'Echecs. Oh, okay. Did you read that one? I haven't read it. I've watched it. Okay, yeah. Um. Okay, yeah. Well, all right. So... You go first, Kostya. I haven't seen it. Have you guys seen it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've read the book, um, so maybe I'll just introduce it then. Um, Nabokov had really two periods, right? This guy was a Russian aristocrat and then fled because the commies, <laughs> the commies knocked his family down, but he was still an aristocrat at heart. You know, amateur chess player, did some chess problems and stuff. And he really has two, to my mind, literary periods, one where he's writing in Russian and one where he's writing in English. And this is a book that's originally written in Russian. And um, to me, his English period is much stronger than his Russian books, which is paradoxical. But it's I don't think it's uncommon for authors to sometimes, it's rare, but it's, it can happen real, really great authors to find a voice in a foreign language. I think Joseph Conrad, you know, originally writing in, or, or you know, speaking Polish is another great example of someone who found a voice. Was like um, his fifth language. Yeah, exactly. Right. Much later. And uh, Nabokov spoke a bunch of languages as an aristocrat as well. Anyways, um, I would put this movie and the book into the good category, maybe in the worth watching. I did not think it was well written, and that's going to, Nabokov fans are going to slam me for this, but I really didn't think it was worth written. I don't think it captured the uh, spirit of the game. Um, and let me just say, I want to point out in my, just the lens through which I see a lot of these movies and fiction is. Uh, we're going to get a lot of chess exploitation in these movies. <laughs> I didn't quite feel this was chess exploitation, though. I do want to give it that much credit. It's not chess exploitation, and it's also really in a pre-Fisher uh, era. It's looking back more on the Alekhine uh, era of the of chess. So it's not really quite uh, the. It's the one movie, in fact, book that does not that is not Fisher based. Um, but right, it's the, the characters uh, to me in the book felt wooden as well as uh, on, on in the film. And I didn't feel like I got any insights into what it means to be a chess player, to be a, have a chess life. Um, yeah, so there's my two cents. I'm going to go with either worth watching or good. Yeah, I mean, for something that you would call worth watching or good, you didn't have too many good things to say about it I, I mean i have it sort of in a similar area as you sort of like at the bottom of good uh -huh. um uh, i guess i could say one thing slightly more positive than you i sort of enjoyed seeing the guy suffer mm -hmm. and i and i think that although it doesn't capture 
the chess world or, or even like a chess player in any great depth. Um, I think that at least it captured one facet of a chess player um, reasonably. And I think that suffering and mental anguish are fairly important component of chess. So I would give it, you know, a couple points for doing that uh, reasonably for me. I haven't read the book, so I can't comment on the writing. Um, uh, I did like his, his, his writing and some other stuff I had read, which was written originally in English, not Russian. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll give it a low, a low good. And uh, if you're a chess player who's just looking for, you know, something around chess to watch, I don't think it would hurt you to watch it. I think it would be okay. Okay, cool. Well, let's put it in worth watching then. Let's sure. put it in worth watching. Yeah, sorry guys. I'm having a little bit of issues with my Zoom. I'm hoping it fixes itself soon. If not, we might have to restart the call. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, it may sometimes work if Jesse and I turn off our videos and turn them back on. Should we just quickly try that? Yeah, well, try that. Well, our videos on, on the Zoom call are working. It's just not coming through on his capture. Oh, true. Yeah, my my laptop's struggling a bit. Um, it's weird that it's still coming through at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I got a I got a funny Facebook. It's been frozen for about. A minute. All right. Okay, I think we're ready to continue. All right. Uh, next movie I also haven't seen. Queen to play. <laughs> wait, wait. Isn't the next movie Bobby Fischer searching for Bobby Fischer? Oh, I, oh sorry. I totally skipped over it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's okay. You you moved it down the line. That's all right because you moved one up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I have seen this one. How many um, times have you seen this one, Kosu? Wow, that's a good question. I think. Probably three or four. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I really liked it when I was a kid, and then I liked it when I was an adult. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I would just put it in the uh, immortal category, because I think it's, uh, I do think it's a head and shoulders, actually, above everything else, in terms of um, just capturing, like, the emotions in scholastic tournaments, especially national scholastic tournaments, of which I was a part. Uh, I thought the movie was, like, extremely real extremely relatable and so for me it's just always going to be an absolute classic and joe mantegna so good yeah 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 um no i i totally agree with you let's i that's already too for immortal i've seen this movie many times throughout different phases of my life and uh definitely will watch it with my kids um also a very well-written book. Um, and one of the things I think is so hard about these movies is the, the outside world that wants to see chess isn't necessarily interested in the chess. You know, they're interested in like, oh, what does it mean to be a genius? Or yeah. what is this weird uh, exotic world? And let me immerse myself in it for just a little bit. So it's hard for someone who wants to write uh, in a deep way about it to really capture it and make it work for a wider audience. And I definitely think that Josh's dad, Fred Waitzkin, did it uh, really, you know, the guy's a good writer anyway. The guy's uh, done a lot of sports writing and, and a bunch of different, different stuff, really well-written book. And I think it's really the perspective of the father 
um, you know, in the, in the movie, you don't really do perspectives the way you do as you do in books, but it carries through in the, in the movie with some great acting. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, man, I love all those actors were really great, man, really great. And, you know, you might want to say that I have a soft spot too for it just because I grew up playing in like the under 21 championships with Josh and I got to hang out with his dad way before this even came out, you know, before I even, before it became such a thing. So I, I, I might be partial in that respect, but I do. Yeah. I've watched this, I don't know, six times or something. And it's the only one on this list that I'm pumped to see again. Cool. David. I agree with basing basically everything you guys say except the category immortal what no <laughs> that doesn't make any sense you guys are handing that out like 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 it's candy on halloween which isn't done anymore um i would call it superb for all the reasons you guys said wonderful movie watch it a bunch of times better than just good happy to watch it again looking forward to watching it with my kids good acting everything you said is true but immortal i mean it's not like one of the best movies i've seen definitely the best chess movie i've seen i'll put it there yeah that makes it immortal I'm right there immortal i mean if somebody <laughs> said like i was planning to never watch this movie i would not feel like oh no you got it i would not put any energy into convincing them to watch it i would just say like well that's your choice it's a good movie but you don't have to watch it. There's other movies to watch. <laughs> this is coming from a man who I had to make severe bets with in order to get him to watch Star Wars. This is a man who will not, on principle, watch what other people see as good movies. On principle, he won't watch them. Well, also, those movies are trash that you're talking oh, about. They're in the yeah. meh category for millennials. <laughs> meh millennials. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get into some good fights here people ghost you put that on the immortal that one's an easy one oh, yeah put that one in the immortal that's two out of three and i feel like yeah a lot of a lot of the chat was reminding me of election day i always get outvoted yeah okay we got a good question actually from tone deaf dave what and i want i want to know this answer too because i i've talked to you a lot about cultural stuff and i've never heard you talk about any movie as amazing really yeah. Crash. Crash, dude? Oh, God. Okay. You know, there's been some dumb things said on the Dojo channel, but it's it's never going to get as bad, though. Luckily, David already got out of the way by saying that Morphe was only a 2,000 player, so it's going to be <laughs> really hard for him to say anything dumber than that. <laughs> so, what other movies, David? You got Crash? That kind of surprises me. That surprises you? Yeah. But you've seen it at least. You're not just like... Have you? Uh, I honestly, dude, I, I couldn't even finish it. I didn't even finish it. Did you start it? Yeah, I started. Okay. Making sure you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I really liked uh, very, very good from just like two years ago a movie called Blind Spotting. Have you seen it? Blind Spotting? No, I don't know it's that. It's about Oakland. Uh huh. Okay. That's interesting. I'm writing this down. I mean, like you're going to watch it even though I like Crash? No, no, dude. I, I, you know, you might say some dumb things once in a while, but that doesn't mean everything you say is dumb. He's going to hate watch it. <laughs> no, no. I'll check it out, dude. I'll check it out. Yeah. 
Uh, I like um, a movie called Rain Over Me with Adam Sandler in a not comedy. I don't know if you've ever seen Adam Rain Sandler in a not comedy. I don't think any of Adam Sandler's movies are comedies. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've seen, no, he's done, I think, at least two that are not comedies. But okay, let's get back to the uh, task. Casablanca. Do you like Casablanca? Oh, Casablanca is a great movie, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my top favorites of all times. You Can Count on Me with Mark Ruffalo and Laura Linney. Uh huh. And uh, American Beauty, another movie you'll make fun of me for liking. No, oh, no, like that's that a great movie. Annette Benning, dude. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, there you go. Those are some movies. Those would be like my five immortals, maybe. Mm. Okay, interesting. All right, let's get back to the good to adequate chess movies. Yeah, I mean, I felt like this was, um, yeah, we're, ta we're, we're counting chess movies, right, for chess players. <laughs> for chess players, I think Searching for Bobby Fischer is uh, definitely immortal. Actually, my girlfriend, um, Maya, watched it when we first started dating. Uh -huh. I think she asked, like, oh, are there any good chess movies? And I was like, well, I guess if there's one, it's <laughs> Searching for Bobby Fischer. And right, then she really right. liked it. So it has, uh, it has outside appeal, too, which I think is important because it's all about promoting the game um all right uh next up queen to play with uh kevin klein and i forget um uh, but i haven't i haven't seen this one i don't even know what this is um it's like uh it's like some guys uh i get there's there's some guy i forget what what he is he's probably rich or something and then there's this woman who like cleans his place and she like sees chess and she's from like a poor family and she becomes obsessed with playing chess and then she's uh good at it classic and did i did i understand you right david that you had actually read the book as well no no i just when you were saying like how many of these books were based on how many of these movies were based oh, on right. books I was like, add that to the list, because like almost all of them are, yeah. Now, I got to say about this one, I, I'm willing to be wrong on this one, uh, because I know that some people commented that they did like this book a lot, um, or excuse me, this movie a lot, and I watched the beginning, and I couldn't do it, dude. I couldn't do it. I had to turn it off. It felt like pure exploitation. plus I just, oh, it was icky, and it was, I thought, yeah. So I just turned it off, dude. So I'm willing to be wrong. If someone in the chat or one of you guys says, oh, man, this was an amazing movie. You're wrong. Cry. You know, I'm willing to talk about it. But for me, that's going in the bottom barrel there with the meh. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a big barrel, I, I think, since it's supposed to encapsulate all six rings of hell. But <laughs> meh. yeah, meh. I mean, I'm not going to be the one to tell you it was a good movie. I mean, I watched it to the end, because... Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. Because, like, I don't know, whatever. I didn't have anything else to do at that moment that I could think of other than finishing watching it. <laughs> My life was already pointless. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think that the, the most positive thing or charitable thing that I saw any uh, movie critic write about this was that, like, they were impressed that Kevin Klein like, spoke French instead of English. Movie. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, I mean, that tells you how many good things there were to talk about. It's a, it's a fairly superficial like movie. 
you could watch it and not complain if you were a chess player, just sort of like, I don't know, sit there for a bit. And so the general plot, though, if I get it, is like we're going to exploit the themes are going to be like, let's get the girlfriend to watch the movie as like a, a chick flick, like love story, but then also like uh, a class struggle thing, right? Poor girl, rich guy. That dynamic is supposed to fuel the plot going forward, right? Did I kind of get it? Yeah. I mean, the closest thing to something interesting in the in the movie, I think, is that, like, so she's, like, working class, and then she's got this, like, interest, which is not, like, there's maybe not space in her life for any kind of hobby, and her husband doesn't get it, and there's some, like, you know, gritty tension over, over that at home. And, you know, gritty tension between, like, husbands and wives is real, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I don't know. It's not. It's not particularly interesting nor illuminating as a movie. By the way, and I take, jump in real ahead. quick. Sorry, guys. We got a raid from from James Blunder. Thank you so much. Uh, we're just ranking movies here, but uh, hope you're good. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, Jesse. Uh, I was just gonna say. I think one of the common themes that we're gonna get from a lot of these movies is the idea that there are people out there whose chess talent is just waiting to be awakened and <laughs> it can happen at any moment man. so it's almost like there's also a little uh thing that's that you're encouraging the viewer to think like oh it's just gonna come at you and you just got it you've got the gift man and then boom you're gonna be playing really effing good chess mm -hmm. you know so i think that's one of the things that made me turn off right away i was like oh god i can't even take it um but I think we're going to see that again. We're, we're going to talk more about that in a couple of these other ones, too. Yeah. So where do you guys want to put it? Man. That's yeah. fine. That's where I would put it, too, just based off the uh, movie trailer. That's what it looks like to me. You saw the trailer? No, sorry, the movie poster. Even less than the trailer. <laughs> 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 just, like, leaping on the chessboard. <laughs> yeah. Jesse, what do you mean exactly by uh, chessploitation? Right. Um, so, you know, I guess, you know, obviously it comes from the word black exploitation. It was a theme, uh, a genre of movies, particularly in the 70s, you know, that was mm, trying to tap into a white audience's voyeuristic need to experience like rough and tumble black culture. Uh, and I think when what uh, Honestly, I think every chess movie needs to do this if it wants to be successful, if it wants to reach a wider audience, uh, especially in the non-documentary ones. I mean, the ones that aren't necessarily about real life, the idea of, uh, oh, anybody could do this or um, you can be part of this amazing world too. And um, <clears throat> to then cast it as this bizarre nook of the world where we can then enter for a little while and then leave. There's a lot of other movies that are, some of them which are very good, by the way, where you enter an, a different uh, subculture and some of them are comedies, you know, but you enter this subculture and you exploit it for whatever it's worth and then you can leave it and you don't necessarily have to know anything about it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, my favorite being Dodgeball. That's a great movie. <laughs> That's yeah, a immortal. really great movie. Immortal. <laughs> Um, right, but there's all kinds of these things. And, right, you're just exploiting the voyeurism uh, inherent and in the little comedic things that might be possible. Some of them not just comedic. Um, 
for the broader audience to tap into. And I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing uh, for someone creating a movie, but as a chess player, of course, I want to, I want to, you know, either learn something or see something represented on film that's maybe in my mind or see a character represented on film that I feel like I know, like, oh, I've seen that guy or I've seen that girl, or this is something that I've actually seen. And, you know, you're telling me something about it just by giving me an artistic representation of it. So that's where I get the sense of exploitation early and often in a lot of these movies. Yeah, it makes sense. Um... Okay, next up, we have our first uh, documentary, Brooklyn Castle. We, we got a mention of Talladega Nights. That was a great movie. Yeah, I love okay. that movie. That was, I'm going to come at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Brooklyn Castle. Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, I guess I'll introduce it, um, and then you guys can take it from there. Uh, sure. This is based on uh, Elizabeth vickery now oh my god what's her new name spiegel. spiegel yeah so she got married and changed her name to elizabeth spiegel but at the time she was elizabeth vickery and she had this great program in brooklyn with a group of students who came from economically challenged backgrounds and one of the things about our list so i should just mention is there's some of these are uh kind of like documentaries like this one is and some of them are fictional counts and some of them like queen of cat are maybe a little bit in between which is fine um and brooklyn castle i thought was either good or superb and it did depict i think with clarity not just the chess but then this um struggle you have with access to chess and you know ultimately the beautiful truth that chess is one of the most accessible games there is one of the cheapest and yeah it's and i think that's uh, a breakthrough for a lot of the audience because the audience sees chess sometimes often still as an upper crust game yeah. Even though now it's played all across the world in every economic standpoint, especially now with the internet, anybody can have the resources. All they have to do is go to the Chess Dojo YouTube channel and they can find everything they need to progress as a player. Wow. What are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> in any case, right. No, I think that's what it's ultimately about. And I thought that the characters were well done and they got into each of the kids' lives in a way that I thought was great. So the, it, the only reason I'm not saying superb is it didn't really stick with me in the way that I would think a superb movie would. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm basically only going to use three of Kostya's categories here. Super, uh -huh. good, and meh. Uh-huh. For me, if it's good, it's worth watching. Otherwise, you know, and I don't think any of these are immortal. You know, immortal would be like a movie where like, I really think if you haven't seen it, I have to convince you to see it because you're missing like something really important from your life. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like you haven't seen the Grand Canyon or something. You haven't seen this movie. Um, so there's only going to be a few of those. Um, and we shouldn't just throw the term around like, you know, like everything's so amazing. Uh, so I would put this movie in good. I liked it a lot. It was, you know, 
interesting and inspiring and, and pleasant to watch. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of stuck on uh, between good and superb as well. Uh, I really liked it at the time, but like Jesse said, I guess, like, I don't know how much it stuck with me, but I feel like at the time it was, uh, I'm sure it inspired a lot of kids and I, I liked how they did it. They showed kind of like the uh, the highs and the lows of competing in these uh, national events because you, you can mm -hmm. lose important games just as easily as win them. Uh, and they definitely didn't shy away from from showing failures too, which which I thought was cool. Um, no, I mean it really is like an incredible story. This like this one school just goes up against. I I remember when I was a kid, I was like the one kid out of like California without a coach playing at these national events, and there were all these kids from New York with their New York coaches. Right. And right. I definitely felt like, oh man, I'm like the outsider here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I I related to that. Uh, I guess we'll put it in the good category because Jesse and okay. I were on the fence, and David, you said good, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. That, that seems fair. Okay. Up next, we got another documentary, uh, Bobby Fischer Against the World. This one, I think, was a HBO thing uh, a couple of years back. And um, I guess I'll start with this one. I thought it was great. I, I'm, I would put it in the superb category. Uh, I'm a big Fischer file. <laughs> I got into chess. Uh, I remember after reading uh, like Fisher's eulogies and reading about him, and I've, I've always found his story fascinating. And then I thought the documentary was just really uh, well made. Uh, it's not one of those documentaries where like they sacrifice you know quality for <laughs> you know giving you information. I thought the quality was really high, and they talked to so many people that like knew Fisher directly. Like they talked to Sadie and Larry Evans. They talked to like uh, some Russian guys, like Krogis was in it. So I thought they got like such a. They talked to. Um, like his, uh, his bodyguard, right, and a bunch of uh, Icelandic folks too. Um, so I thought it was just great, and um, they covered like all the all the best and worst aspects of Fisher, which I think is important. Hmm. Uh, let me disagree a little bit, uh, especially with the last when you say they covered all the best and the worst. First, where I think the movie was good was that it Im managed to really get a lot of the video of the time together and the mm -hmm. pictures together. It was very good at collecting all the source material, especially the video, a lot of which I hadn't seen. I, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of things, you know, as someone like myself who's done a lot of, I'm not, not research, but you know, I've, I've looked at a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff in there that was new to me. And that part of it was fantastic. Um, where the movie really failed, uh, and a lot of the Fisher stuff, really, Pond sacrificed completely, completely as well, was that we don't get a sense of what's going on in Fisher's head, especially from 68 to 72. Like, why, why is he in the space that he's in? Um, the one thing we'll, where I can point to too is, uh, John Donaldson is coming out with this book. I did an interview with him. You can find that on the chess dojo and, um, he's gone deep. I don't know how my one question about John's book is, is it going to string together a narrative? I, cause I honestly, I think it's very difficult to talk about Fisher in a coherent way about what is he actually thinking, but he's much closer to what I think is the truth. And like, for example, this, that movie didn't really touch at all 
on the weird worldwide church of God thing. And you, you, you can't even begin to talk about who the guy is at that point. If you don't talk about that and why is he in Pasadena? Cause that's where the worldwide church of God moved to. He moved to Pasadena for that weird cult. And so, right. If you want to talk to me about Fisher at that time, well, we got to talk about that. And then John also turned me on to a couple other interesting things. Uh, about the how the anti-Semitism thing had already kind of cranked. Not it hadn't gone full crazy then, but it had already been cranked up early in his youth. And there's some interesting uh, archival stuff that John has. Um, and also, I just want to mention this is more of a footnote than anything else. One of the amazing things about my interview with John is that there's a anybody who's been following U.S. chess through the years has heard the name Sam Sloan, a very weird dude. <laughs> a very weird dude. Yeah. And HBO 2011 uses Sam Sloan. I don't even think they realized who the guy fully was. By the way, there's a great article about Sam Sloan that came out earlier this year in the New Republic talking about his life and all the weird stuff. And I don't want to go too deep into it, but what John discovered was that Sam Sloan's claim that no one believed but he was able to verify was that Sam Sloan did in fact hang out with Fisher for about six months in 1965. And, you know, then it's like, oh, all the weird conspiracy theories and all the ways of weird ways of looking at the world. And it's like, oh, it's all coming together. And I, anyways, so the problem with the movie is it doesn't get into who Fisher was. And do I think it's easy? No. And my ultimate plea, and I don't know if John's going to be able to do this, is to be the Robert, we need a Robert Caro of Fisher, somebody who goes deep and not as only good with the archival stuff, but can string a narrative together to tell me, a layman, you know, what is going on in this guy's life. And I'm going to, John's going to send me a copy of this book. I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm skeptical. I'm going to read it, but I'm skeptical that John's able to tell a story because I don't know. John's not really a storytelling guy. He's more like an archivist, you know? Okay. I'm going to turn it over to David. I haven't seen it. Oh man. Okay. So um, I'll go with good. Oh, we have to, but then we're going to fight because Kostya is saying superb, right? You guys got to agree. Yeah. I thought it was really good. I mean, I, I do agree with you. They didn't cover the, like the cult stuff at all. They do get into like the anti-Semitism and his like, mental health collapse like towards the end of his life and uh they even show some footage of him like talking with his like therapist and his therapist is just like annoyed with him because he's <laughs> being like rude and stuff which i thought was good they kind of showed fisher at his like worst moments yeah they show that famous clip where he's like he he like spits on the uh the us's like sanction about his match uh in yugoslavia and right, then right. um and then some guys son that new fisher like calls him crazy to his face <laughs> it's a terrible moment um but uh i mean there was actually to the, the thing about sam sloan i remember i think it was in the documentary they they mentioned how i think they tried to portray fisher's like paranoia stemming from like his mom talking to him about uh the uh i guess the fbi and the cia you know like spying on them and um mm -hmm accusing them of like being communists and stuff. Right. Um, but it totally makes sense that that kind of childhood. Yeah. Then, uh, followed by meeting a, um, like conspiracy theorist type figure, 
would totally send you down the path that Fisher went. So that narrative really makes sense. Right. And I think like, if you want to write the book, you got to get into the weirder side of the sixties because sixties wasn't just about drugs and rock and roll. There's a lot of weird ideas that happened there. And you, if you want to tell the story, you got to get in there and it might be kind of ugly. <laughs> Actually, I guarantee you it'll be pretty ugly, but I want to, I mean, the thing is me as a fan is it's like Fisher elevated his game precisely in the period when he went down the weirdest of the rabbit holes with this worldwide church of God thing. He, he gave them all his money too. I mean, it was like, you know, <laughs> that's a really interesting thing because the in intuition is like, well, you go and do something weird like that, your chest is going to suffer, but it actually went the other way, you know? So that's, you know, like when you look at Fisher 1968, he's not the number one in the world. Forget about it. He's a good player. He's not number one. He's not crushing people 20 games in a row. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where are we going to okay. put it, guys? You got to vote in the chat or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We're stuck. Uh, Neither we could we pull could, the other person across the line. We could do a poll. I would be content with a poll, and we could have that poll running whilst we talk about Queen of Katwa. All right. I'll, I'll set up a poll. And I haven't I'll, seen Queen of Katwa, so I'll on you guys. <laughs> All right. Go for it. Did um, you see it, David? <clears throat> I have read the book, but not seen the movie. Oh, interesting. Okay, good. Because I haven't read the book, and I'd be interested to hear about the book as well. Yeah, I liked the I liked the book. I mean, uh, I I guess I mean maybe it's obvious or stupid or whatever, but I always root for people who are coming from tough situations, people who don't have anything, and uh, you know, if there's ever like an underdog story, it's certainly Fiona Mutesi. Um, so, you know, I root for her. I love the guy who was like coaching her as depicted in the book, you know, the like uh, Katende wanted to be a soccer player. Mm -hmm. um, and then it ended up in this like missionary work and like teaching chess. Um, you know, I read that and I just think how much, uh, I don't know. How much I would like, you know, everybody around the world to be doing great, you know, and uh, for me, it's it's not very much about like the chess. The book didn't have, I don't know, chess was just like a a thing that that sort of got her out of a tough situation. Maybe, so, so, if you were just to rate the book, where would you put it? I would say it's good. On the on the green, okay. Um, yeah, we're getting some interesting uh, things with chat uh, and on on Katva as well. It's I can understand how it's a divisive movie, and I think the book is probably more interesting. the 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 movie is, in fact, I believe, a Disney movie, and it has a lot of the uh, traits of a Disney movie, where there's a lot of uh, there's several moments where they use the uplifting mu music to uh, psychologically um, guide you, <laughs> um, which, you know, I mean, that's a Disney movie and it's nothing, nothing you know, I don't know, I'm not going to say it's verboten or anything, but anyways, right, there's a thing that a lot of people, when they hear that uplifting music, they're like, oh, no, you know, oh, <laughs> no. Um, 
I thought the uh, tail fantastic. I mean, a really good tale that in, in, in a way it's like the truth of the story really drives the narrative in a way that can overcome a lot of whatever problems they might have. Um, some of the, yeah, depictions of the city where she lived in and the class struggle, you know, within her country was also amazing. Um, one thing that is kind of interesting that I think they use, they definitely did some chess exploitation is they presented her as if she was this grand genius chess player, which I get it. If you're doing the movie, you have to do it. In fact, you know, I looked her up and her, her rating is, you know, something like 1670 fee day or something like that. Um, which to me is fine. It's still a great story. But, you know, of course, when you disney it as in to suggest that she is like the champion, going to be the champion of the world or even in that realm, it, it, it did detract from the movie for me. But I am going to put it as good, as good, definitely watchable, above worth watching. Um, the, one, book and, the book didn't do that thing, by the way, of sort of like falsely making it seem like, you know, right. like on her way to being the world championship or something. It was not. Right. Uh, you know, perfectly uplifting without having to reach like the world championship as like the end of the story. Right, right. And, you know, they didn't go to the world championship, but, you know, they go to, uh, anyway. Um, they go to like an Olympiad, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I thought also, you know, in terms, if you, if, if it, if, if what's uplifting about it to me, and this I see in a variety of narratives that are real, is that if you come from a poor place, you can have access to the game. Even if you don't have an internet connection, you can have access to the game. And not only that, but people will help you. And I can say that people helped me. It was, and it wasn't, you know, not like grand gestures, but like she gets some books given to her. Someone gives her Test of Time by Kasparov, you know? Yeah. And those, there are people out in the chess world who will help you if they feel you are young and committed. And, uh, you know, we've seen that with Brooklyn Castle. A lot of those people got help from the St. Louis Chess Club, amongst others. And there's some people coming up now. There was a great story just recently of the kid who was homeless on the streets of New York City and people helped him out. I mean, that is a totally true part of the chess world that I think is global. I don't think, I think that is true. Uh, throughout the world. And maybe I'll just say one other quick thing about chess that, yeah, applies to this movie is chess is the only, well, I'm not saying the only, but the, let me just put it in only first and then I'll change it, is the only part of my life where I have felt uh, some kind of uh, sense of complete de-escalation of racial tension. It's the only part of my life. And one of the reasons it took me so long, now I'm on the East Coast, to understand East Coast racial tension is whenever I would travel around to the East Coast to go to chess tournaments, you go to the Skittles room, it was totally cool. You know, black people, white people hanging out. It didn't seem like there was any problem. 
And it's only now I'm in Baltimore, I'm like, oh man, this is really intense. You know, I grew up in New Mexico and then some spent some time on the West Coast. And here on the East Coast, it's a totally different thing. But one thing, anyways, that this movie does bring out is like it's in chess that racism or problems of race, however you want to characterize it, uh, can really be de-escalated. Mm-hmm. So I'll give it a I'll give it a good, a good with that one. Yeah. I think it's true, like chess people, I mean, there's all kinds of like, you know, there's jealousies and there is racism and misogyny. There's there's shreds of all of these things mm-hmm. throughout the chess world as well. But we do have a pretty strong, uh, you know, camaraderie as well, where you can like go into a chess club anywhere in the world and just right. say you're a chess player and people may mm-hmm. not understand your language, but you've got like, a you've got friends immediately. And there is, Absolutely, and yeah. people cherish the value and the talents of people from all over the place Mm -hmm. Um, and uh you know do feel kind of like you know you see another chess player and you wish them well that's right yeah yeah that's right yeah totally true um i will say that i think the chess world focuses a lot of its toxic energy on sexism i think that's where like i think that's where it's uh not the most welcoming place i'll tell you what let's leave that for queen's gambit yeah absolutely. <laughs> i think that that's an interesting question we could pursue in queen's gambit okay yeah. so you guys wanted this as good and then the poll ended they uh fans voted bobby fisher against the world also good mm-hmm. um let me okay it looks like yeah the, the layout uh keeps shifting but i think it's fine uh up next is life of a king which actually david and uh danny from chess.com actually worked on as consultants uh down in la and i was actually an extra in this movie i was in there i was in the final scene as one of the no uh, way that's cool man i was in the audience yeah yeah, yeah. hey well, you guys, thanks for subscribing you guys should start it off then um well yeah david actually worked on the movie so yeah what did you think um i i mean here's where your like mesh category is kind of broad but i mean it's definitely in the bottom category it's not um by any like cinema standards a good movie Mm -hmm. um i i loved my experience working on it i really enjoyed all the people who worked on it i thought they were all great people you know i made uh I made friends with one of the actors and got along well with, with, with all the others, um, and with the, uh, you know, writer, director and all that. So, um, you know, and it's, and it's even like a cool story that they were telling, mm-hmm. but I think it's a problem of somebody trying to tell the problem is with the writing. It's, it's a story where somebody's trying to tell a story that's not theirs. And that's so far from theirs that they don't really know how to how to tell it correctly or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I mean, basically, you've got this um, the, the the writer. I mean, I don't mean to insult him or anything in any way, you know. I mean, when I, th- I I'm also like, you know, I try and like write and like come up with stories and stuff in my head. And when I come up with a story, I want I want to represent people, not just always have the hero be like a white dude like me, right? But then. But then if you try and write about, you know, if I were to try and write the story of like a fictional queen of Katwe, like 
like how good can my writing about like a Ugandan slum be, right? Like, like mm -hmm. it's like you want to represent, but like you don't actually know the story, so it's not your story. So then you end up not doing a good job of it. I don't, I, I don't say like you shouldn't be allowed to try writing other people's stories or anything like that. I'm not like criticizing him for trying, mm -hmm. but I'm saying there's a very good chance you're going to mm -hmm. fail um, if you try and write a story where you really don't have the experience for it. So. I mean, this guy, I think, was from, like, a well-to-do, you know, white family in, 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 in the L.A. area. And he wasn't, like, a chess player. He was, like, a writer, right? He was, like, a movie guy. Mm -hmm. um, and he writes this story about, you know, a, a group of, you know, African-Americans with, like, a chess club somewhere on the East Coast, maybe Baltimore. I, I don't even know exactly, but it, it may actually have been where you are now, Jesse. Um. You know, and there's like, you know, the, some of the kids are like having a tough life and it's like, you know, they're rubbing up against like the gang, the gang world. And there's like, you know, an ex, an ex con who comes out to like teach them and start a chess club. And it could be a good story, but let me just like put it like this, like the, the dialogue was really like, like just implausible. And I also didn't like, you know, grow up in a rough neighborhood and in, in, in baltimore or wherever it's set right but like i like reading it i was like it doesn't sound like remotely plausible now the actors occasionally in the scenes they would just sort of like say what they wanted to say instead of like the lines and then like <laughs> immediately it would be like much better like, <laughs> and then they'd be like oh no no here are the lines here are the lines and they'd like retake the scene right and this movie could already have been so much better if the writer had just said like here's what needs to happen with the scene right like he's telling he's telling them how the pieces move or he's telling them a lesson about losing or he's telling them about like keeping their eyes on the prize or whatever and then just let the actors like come up with the actual words yeah that would have been much 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 better already you know and these actors weren't like you know i i don't think that these actors were all necessarily from like a tough life on the east coast i think a lot of them were like la people but at least like you know they had some experiences some of them were like you know they were basically all african americans and they they had some like contact with something that was it just it just seemed more like real anytime they went off script also every actor in la has taken an improv class so <laughs> they would have yeah. been fine right they would have been absolutely fine. i don't know if in general that would make you know many of many other movies better as well to just like tell your actor look like what has to happen in this scene is this person learns this or this person gets shocked by that but like you know just like do it uh, a few times and then take your best take but this one was really kind of like killed by like the writing in my opinion to like a really like bad spot even though it's exactly the kind of story that i want to hear cool well because you were an extra tell us what your thoughts are I actually didn't, I never watched it. Uh, so. You never watched it? <laughs> well, because it just seemed like, it just seemed so tropey, you know, it just seemed like, uh -huh. you know, just scene for scene, we've seen this movie already in other mm -hmm. contexts. Right. Wow. Uh, so has got standards too. <laughs> so you can't just feed him up anything with chess and he'll eat it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, right. Like having seen, I guess the trailer, I probably would put it in the meh category. Right. Um, yeah, I tried starting to watch it and I had to turn it off. Uh, 
I thought what David was saying about the writing was very interesting. It was, you know, of course I didn't know that, but it felt just like, oh, that, that one actually, if you want to talk about the word chessploitation, that's what it feels like, you know, as a, as a viewer and you come to something like that and you're just like, oh, no one's, you're not really into this at all. You're just doing, you, you, you have your little vision of what this was, but you weren't, you're not talking about chess. You're not even talking about these people. You're talking about something else that's entirely in your head. You're exploiting my game. Now get out. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think like mostly people had good, good intentions. Um, but mm -hmm. I mean, the, the result just doesn't really show anything. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, meh, meh. It is. Let's see. And, uh, yeah. Okay. We have three movies left. Uh, up next is the Magnus documentary. It came out a couple of years ago. I think it was on Netflix. Yep. Um, which uh, I assume we've all seen. Nope. Oh, okay. No, oh, I've, <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked it. Uh, it definitely got a lot of stuff wrong. Um, the big one that I thought was that the film portrayed. Vichy in their first world championship match as some kind of like heavy favorite, which I don't think anyone was thinking at the time. Mm, I think mm -hmm. Magnus was seen as the heavy favorite, uh, but they made it seem like Vichy is this big, bad, like prep monster that's just going to like crush Magnus with openings, which that was the concern, but it wasn't, Magnus was still seen as a favorite. Uh, so I thought they took a little bit too much liberty there. Um, and then there was also, they, they tried to portray this thing of like Magnus getting bullied as a kid. And that's what, like, drove him to chess. Maybe there was some truth to that, but I don't know. I mean, seeing Magnus's personality, he doesn't feel like a kid who was bullied a lot. <laughs> uh, so I don't know how, how true that was uh, either. So, yeah, to me, it was a little, little fantasized, um, a little uh, idolized, even like the poster. You know, I don't think Magnus has ever made that pose in his life. <laughs> like, you know, they make him seem... A, like some kind of like genius wonderkin which he definitely is but his personality is kind of like uh, i mean he's much he's much more casual actually he's not like this kind of ivanchuk style genius just walking around with his head in the clouds all the time um so i think overall i would put it in good okay maybe yeah. worth watching between those two for me yeah, I, I think I would put it in good as well. It's a little bit um, using the trope of, oh my God, let's see what a genius's life is like. Let's really, you know, let's do it and let's do some inspirational music and show like what monkey tricks you can do. Um, but the the part of the movie that really I got a lot out of, and if people want to use this as a viewing guide, I thought the first section let's say the first 15 minutes was very insightful into magnus's early life and the kind of person he was as a kid then leading into his uh chess skills and personality in particular okay so several uh several weeks ago we had a discussion that kostian and david we just gotta say they hated it when I wanted to talk about chess players being on the spectrum. And it's a it gets people all riled up inside. But what I just um, mean, and this movie really, I think, brings it out in the first 15 minutes, is Magnus isn't somebody that doctors are going to put on the spectrum. 
because the spectrum is usually somebody who can't function socially, and Magnus definitely has been able to function socially. Um, but what you see in those first 15 minutes is a kid who has abilities that none of the rest of us have. And some of us uh, chess players might have like a touch of it as well, but not on his level. And the scene that really stands out to me and the story that everybody tells when he talk about Magnus as a kid is the flags matching the flags to the country and the stats to the flags and putting it all together in like a table that comes together in his mind and you're like oh you know um yeah, they definitely portrayed his talent really well right and i think that's and i think honestly for we talk a lot on the show about chess talent and vishnu gets really upset because it's like you're talking about the chess gene man and it's not cool i can't believe you're saying that but if you watch the first 15 minutes of that movie you're like well this is what we're talking about vishnu. <laughs> this is like this kid is doing this thing and most players can't do it as well but there's definitely a better and worse in terms of the quality of that kind of thinking, which by the way, I don't think is the only thing that goes into making good chess player, but it, but especially when it comes to like the mathematical patterns of the ending, oh boy, that's really gonna be a huge asset. So anyways, that's what I liked the most about the movie and so I'm gonna give it a good. Okay, cool, yeah, I guess we'll put it in good because I was, I was kind of on the fence because yeah, I feel like they could have done a better job. I feel like personally, I probably enjoyed the um, the 60 minutes like uh, feature on Magnus more um, mm -hmm. than, than this full documentary, but yeah, I would I would definitely give it a good. It's um, hundred percent worth watching for me, especially if you want a little behind the scenes uh, look of uh, what Magnus is like. Um, cool. Okay, which brings us to our next movie. Um, I guess one of the highest budget films on the list. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. So real quick, do you think that I would learn anything new about Magnus by watching that? documentary or would i learn anything new from it should i watch it i doubt you would learn anything i, I mean think you could w watch the first 15 minutes also I've it's seen like it, first, i've seen like the first one or two minutes yeah i think that also i actually also the way his dad went about it i th i think uh th there's some very interesting stuff about being a parent honestly actually it's very interesting i think because his dad did a thing that maybe most parents should do which is watch your children and think about what they might be good at or what they might enjoy doing and then push them in that direction and as a parent i definitely feel that's something uh i can get behind you know yeah magnus's dad seemed like he like it seems like the way he handled magnus's talent was very good like like deserves to be like a case study for parents like managing their talented kids right. like protecting him from all the pressure and like attention supporting him always like putting magnus and magnus's feelings first i feel like yeah that was that was cool to see yeah i agree i think his dad's like a great guy but <laughs> he's the mvp yeah exactly I, already, <laughs> I guess i already have that you know opinion i've met him and talked to him and... yeah nice Okay, so next up we have Pawn Sacrifice, uh, starring the uh, the original Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, and Leif Schreiber. Uh, yeah, big budget movie. Very, um, they spent a lot of 
time and money on uh, promotion. I remember they were promoting it during like the U.S. Open uh, that year, mm -hmm. and they really they really wanted to get uh, everyone watching it. Um, did we all did we all see it? Yeah. No. Wow. No, David didn't see. It. David was not. It got to be said, everybody. David will often not watch things on principle, and he won't watch. It was enough. Hard math. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. And as to what you're saying about them wanting to promote it, they like were trying to get chess.com to promote it through our site. You know, they wanted us mm -hmm. like, they wanted to some kind of like partnership deal to get us to like say it was like a good movie or whatever. And I was like, oh no, man, this is not a good movie. <laughs> Sorry, we can't say that. That's funny. Well, I, I have some things to say about it, but I don't want to, I want Kosi to go first. Uh, sure. I'm, I'm probably going to put it in the, uh, worth watching category. Cause I think it is worth watching. Um, as far as like movies go, my brother gives me uh crap about <laughs> this, but I like movies that aren't great. I like superhero movies. I get into them. I root for the heroes. I don't care that I know that it's going to work out. I still get into it. And like, you know, I root for the good guys. I don't like the bad guys. I like movies, all right? I like getting into movies, even if they're predictable to me, even if they're predictable, because I don't think about that. I turn that part of my brain off, and I try mm -hmm. to stay present with what's going on. Um, so I liked watching the movie. I don't think it's, like, great from a chess point of view. Like, there are so many very silly things uh, and that they get wrong. Um, the, the classic one being when Fisher comes home with his, like, first... Uh, like chess informant magazine and he looks at the games and he plays like h4 h5 on the board <laughs> like okay yeah uh and um yeah you know like oh i heard actually i think this was true i heard that toby uh refused to work on the movie until they rewrote the original script <laughs> which which tells you a little bit about <laughs> the original script was even worse right <laughs> um wow. and apparently there was a lot of like tropes in it like you know, they, um, which uh, I guess foreshadowing is one of the things I really liked about Queen's Gambit is that they shied away from a lot of these tropes of things like, you know, like Fisher, like um, he's like in a room and he's like, oh, all he can think about is chess and like, you know, he can't like hold a conversation because he's just thinking about chess, chess, chess. And it, like, I think every chess movie has this kind of like trope at some point, but um, yeah, there was a lot of that stuff in Pawn Sacrifice, so it's a pretty cheesy and corny movie, but I still liked it. I think it's worth watching. I like Leif Schreiber. I think, uh, that one moment where, like, you know, Fisher uh, plays his famous Bishop Takes H2 blunder, and mm -hmm. then Spassky, like, looks up to the audience, like, what the heck? <laughs> I thought that was so funny. <laughs> Never happened, but so, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, but, yeah, it's a worth watching for me. Okay, well, cool. We're on the same page. I thought, uh, well, first of all, I want to put out there, if, if you haven't seen this movie, which I think most people have, I feel like we're, uh, I feel pretty confident in putting it in the yellow as well. But I know that of all the things that we've put up there, I think mm, this will engender the most debate. I think when I when that movie came out, and you looked at chess players' Twitter feeds, they were like, oh, this movie's amazing, man. <laughs> the same, in fact, the same uh, rush of enthusiasm that you're now getting for the Queen's Gambit, people were giving chess players 
we're giving pawn sacrifice. And um, part of it is, and we have to, I think we have to be aware of this, is that chess players are oftentimes just happy that chess gets something, gets anything. Right. So, you know, they're just so happy that it gets a, a huge audience like pawn sacrifice did and and in fact even though queen's gambit is now i think by far more successful than pawn sacrifice there was way more marketing put into pawn sacrifice than queen's gambit you know right way. um so that was like chess on the on the big screen level toby mcguire yada yada and there were definitely scenes where i was like okay this is well produced in a kind of hollywood way I can't, I don't want to really argue with that. And I watched it with my wife and I could tell she was at least following along, which is hard for any kind of chess theme stuff for, you know, a lot of the girls I've dated and married and yada, yada. But anyways, so I didn't, it didn't stick with me. The, 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 the stuff like H4, H5, of which there's a lot really hurt my soul. And it didn't seem to capture either the guy or his, his mannerisms, the way he thought, um, and no. So, I, yeah, it didn't do anything for me. So I dodged a bullet. You don't. Well, you know, it's funny, David. I really do think that if you go back in time and you look at chess players you respect, you look at their Twitter feeds, you're going to be like, oh, they they thought this thing was amazing. You know, there was a <laughs> chess world was like, right on, Toby Maguire, you know. Maybe well, those were sponsored tweets. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <Right. laughs> I think, yeah, as like chess people, we do have a duty to try and, and prop up, yeah, things about chess so that, yeah, we can expose the game to more people and hopefully get, get more fans involved. Um, there's obviously a limit to that. We don't just want to be promoting anything and everything, but um, I thought it was close enough that you could, uh, you could, yeah, you could say it's a good film and not still go to sleep at night. <laughs> Uh, actually, since we're on this topic, and since you mentioned the films, you tell us some of your top films, Kostya. Um. Oh boy, I haven't thought about this in a while. Let's see, a couple movies I really liked. Um, and don't tell it to us if you haven't at least seen it twice. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, let's see. First movie I really liked as a teen was uh, Fight Club. Yeah, that was a classic. Oh, uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then there was this movie Drive that I really liked with Ryan Gosling. I thought that oh, was a I good hated one. That. I hated that movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. well, about... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I saw one movie with him, and he was amazing. Yeah, he's a good actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh boy, recently, I don't remember. I watched like three or four movies a year now. Um. But uh, what was good? The Lobster was really good. That was a recent one. Mm. Um, kind of a weird uh, comedy. You haven't seen that twice. Come on. You haven't seen that twice. I think I have. Yeah, yeah. Once oh. in theaters and once okay. in... Okay. Uh... All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so... Um... Okay. No, that's a cool The list. Lobster sounds like a bad chess opening that we would be, like, complaining about next week. Like, did you guys see the last, like, chessable course from Ginger GM about the lobster? Stop <laughs> trash to the people. <laughs> no, no, Lobster is a hilarious movie. I think I think you, I think you guys should watch it. I, I think it's okay. really good. Yeah, no, yeah. Man, I'll check it out. All right. All right, so let's put Pawn Sacrifice in the yellow. Yeah. Oh, no, meh. You guys didn't have a... You, you, you trashed the movie. What does worth watching mean? 
I'll, put a, I'll give it a yellow. Oh, it a watching. Yellow. <laughs> Make up your own minds. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think it's part of the chess culture at this point. So, you know, if you want to talk about chess movies, you got to see it. Everybody here is liking the lobster. Wow. Kosti gave us a hot tip, Jesse. Hot, hot tip? Well, I, you know, I don't have that much time, but I'll check it out. Kosti, All right. I it was a movie for you in chat too, right? Velocity Pass 3, I'll check it out. You can get really behind that pastor and hope that hope that he works out his battle with the ninjas. What movies? All right, Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit. Here we go. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, people are asking, like, oh, isn't a TV show? I mean, if you guys don't want us to talk about Queen's Gambit, we can take it off the list. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's why we're here. Um, how how much have you guys seen of it, by the way? Just so we can be clear. Finished it. Nice, nice. Same. I was late. I was late for one of my streams um, this week because uh, I was watching the Queen's Gambit. Ten minutes late for a stream. Yeah, I, I I finished it uh, last night. Cool. Yeah, well, give us give us your take. Um, I I really liked it. I, I think it's the best chess thing since searching for Bobby Fischer, um, because I think both this and uh, SFBF they they get a lot of the emotions right for a chess player, which um, a lot of these movies didn't. And uh, yeah, they don't rely on these like silly tropes of like a chess player not being able to like order from a restaurant because they're thinking about their game or like whatever. Because um, that's what I that's what I've always thought these movies are missing. Like in a chess tournament, there like are real emotions. It's not like chess is a boring game and you have to work to make it interesting. Every one of these like like world champions and players, their their life is like full of like tragedies and like stories. I mean, there's so much like emotional material there that you don't have to invent or rely on tropes. You you can actually just present the game um realistically so for me i think i would put it in superb because it's just too too early to be immortal you know it has to we got to give it a lot more time uh -huh. uh, i think it has the potential to be immortal especially i would say if it ends up like inspiring uh, like a generation of female players who then like start crushing it uh i can totally see someone breaking through the top 10 and then being like, yeah, I watched Queen's Gambit when I was a little girl and that was huge for me. Like I can hundred percent imagine that happening. Um, and so if that, if it actually has that kind of like effect, then I would put it in the immortal category, but for now, okay, it's too early, but I would put it at superb. I'd be surprised if Kosti doesn't eventually put it in immortal. I mean, it's not that hard. <laughs> oh, you like it, David? No, I just think that you have a very positive take on everything. Mm. <laughs> well david I give mean, us your take if pawn sacrifice was worth watching you know and if bobby fisher was immortal then the the bar is just not that high um and uh i i loved it i absolutely loved it i would definitely put it in superb really really good apparently even people who aren't chess players like it yeah which i think some people who aren't chess players also like searching for bobby fisher uh but not like not with the same enthusiasm i think people are really like blown away by this i mean you guys mentioned that the acting in searching for bobby fisher was good and i agree and the acting in this is better um and the writing is better um it leaves it, it doesn't tell you every single thing i think the place where it like surpasses 
searching for Bobby Fisher might be in like the quality of like the writing and editing just that like they have like a finer they have a finer you know more like finesse uh searching for bobby fisher like there's not any scene that you have like questions about after you see the scene really where you're like what did that guy mean or how is that guy feeling you know or or, or what's going to come you know what's going to come of this you know it like it 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 really does tell you it lays everything out on the table right like like chess versus poker right you can just see where all the pieces are in searching for bobby fisher in queen's gambit like i had i had questions about things like i i like wondered like oh how how did they leave that or how does this person feel about this person now and stuff like that i mean it was it was really high level storytelling in my opinion where you you really gotta like gotta engage and and think um it it was fantastic it was fantastic definitely high superb level okay interesting okay i will begin with a little bit of a ah, okay so uh first i want to start at the beginning i uh read this book a long time ago i think i'm i assume i'm the only one here that's read the book and um i really disliked the book uh, by walter tevis and some authors write the same story again and again and that's not necessarily a bad thing but Walter Tevis also wrote The Hustler and it's in a lot of ways the same story where it also turned into a movie uh, where you have somebody who's imbued with a talent that we don't really get into why they have the talent and they don't actually really have to work for it that hard and then we go into their struggles and try to cast their gift take it as a gift and then you have two sides to the gift you have the, what the gift gives you and then what the gift takes away and that's the dynamic in all of this guy's stories um you know the the bad side of the gift if you like and one of the reasons i wrote lisa and spent so much time on it so i was like right i need to capture this inner world that this guy has no idea what he's saying so then to the movie uh, i want to say first of all i haven't finished it and part of it is it is dragging a little bit for me i realize that i do want to say that the production value is fantastic there's a lot of cool characters and she's really hot there's no question she's very hot <laughs> And so that's all there, but right. I don't feel spoken to in any kind of way. So I'm just at the moment, I'm willing to change my mind in this. I haven't finished, like I said, I'm on like episode four or something. So I'm at the good level. Um, and, you know, part of it where it definitely feels chestploitation is we don't get a sense of you know, what the gift is or how it came to be or how it was cultivated. And it's all a little bit insulting when she just is suddenly able to play really good moves. And that's the problem with the book. It's, you know, the, the story is the, the, the miniseries is just basing itself on the book. And that's a problem with the book. But, you know, I don't know, maybe they could have fixed it. I don't know. In any case, that is my grief with it. 
I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to put in the good so far. I'll, I, I might revise it later after I finish the thing. This is interesting. I actually didn't know this, but uh, Afrashash says that apparently, according to Elizabeth Pates, she was approached to be the hand double for Beth Harmon. Oh, but that they actually been, chose well, this other German player, Phyllis uh, uh, Osmanuja. Now, when they say the hands model, like for when she moves the pieces? When it's close up and it's just showing them like blitzing or something, they'll often use like another uh, pair Because actually, one of the things is I felt there were several scenes, and this is actually scenes where you can see her face where she moves a piece, and I'm like, that's not how a chess player moves a piece. Yeah, you that know? was one of my favorite parts of pointing out to Maya, um, which actors have played chess before and which haven't. <laughs> Right, like the uh, the Game of Thrones guy who plays, um, uh, I think Benny Evans, the U.S. champion, his hands felt very natural. I mean, maybe they used a stunt double, but I felt like we saw him moving pretty well. So he seemed like someone who's who's definitely played chess before. Um, and I think I remember hearing that Towns is also like an experienced uh, player as well. Uh -huh. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you can really teach someone how to move the pieces. I think you just need experience to really be convincing about it. But I mean, I have taught people to move the pieces, Kostya, and there is like, there is something you can do. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's not like nothing. Like, first of all, you can have them watch two people play chess so they can watch how you actually move, right? Mm -hmm. Which we did. And then Danny and I would get up and they would, and the actors would sit down and they would play each other and we would like, and we would tell them, just like if you were actually playing chess, right? We'd be like, no, this hand, no the way you're holding that piece, know what you're doing when you capture something. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And they, like, you know, did reps and reps and reps. And you, you can do that. I mean, it, it depends how much time you have, but it's there. there's something you can do. So one of the things we touched on earlier that has to be brought up here is just uh, what to me is a very complicated issue and and that is of women in chess. And I, I want to stress that to me, it's a very complex issue because so many people have quick judgments about it. There's very clear opinions. Uh, and I feel the more I think about it, I'm like, oh, this is actually very complicated. Um, in any case, with this movie, right, we're using this um, this idea of the, the girl playing instantly, it's already, whether it was a girl or a boy, it was going to be a problem for me that she's just like instantly great without a lot of coaching. But um, the question of, we had talked about with Queen of Kaffa a little bit is like, what's going on with misogyny in the chess world? And it is a really interesting question. I'll just, my quick take on that. And I think it has everything to do honestly a lot to do with how in a lot of ways chess players like this show and why a lot of and a lot of the weird stuff that i think especially where you see misogyny the most is on twitch i think here and um in any case you have a very weird relationship to from chess men who are sitting in their caves and beautiful women who are touching the chess pieces. It is a weird and bizarre relationship, and it is definitely going on in this movie and the reception of this movie. So I'm just putting. It, I'm. I'll leave it there, and you guys can take it wherever you want. No, I'm glad they. Yeah, they like try to address it a bit in the movie because it's. I mean, yeah, it's such a huge deal, uh, and it's 
very realistic whenever there's like a strong female player people are always like yeah are you sure you're good are you sure like you know maybe mm. you should just play with the girls like there's just so much like societal pressure um yeah i don't know i i, I agree with you like twitch is pretty bad i mean youtube is even worse mm -hmm. um twitter is not like, great either yeah real um, world too i mean actually what i thought was yeah most lacking in this entire show the the like biggest thing that was missing was misogyny like the, the thought that this woman could be like winning match after match without encountering even more misogyny from like you know the people she played against or the people commenting or something it it blew my mind right i mean they showed like they show at some point like female fans being like excited about her um performance you know in a cool way but i mean where were all the guys like you know like never once in the in the whole thing do i think i recall hearing a guy say like what you lost to a girl i don't think i heard that a single time yet these guys were losing left and right to her and i i don't know that's that's like a pretty standard there, sentence. Yes. there was a lot of it in like her first tournament there was like a lot of um I guess the, the sexism you're talking about or the misogyny you're talking about, but um, yeah, then like, yeah, as it progresses, they, there's not, cause there would have been a lot of like, oh, she must be cheating. Like, oh, someone must be helping her. Like, oh, pe people are just getting distracted by her looks and that's why they're losing to her. Yeah, but no one yeah. ever tried to like cut her down based on that, right? Right. But never this stuff does happen like, oh, in the real world. I could have won or none of that. I, yeah. I mean, it's awesome. There, there are some cool chess players, but also you have to realize this is like, this is set in like Fisher's time, not ours, right? I mean, yeah, yeah it would have been even worse back then. A so, lot worse. so my experiences from twenty years ago, hearing people say like, you know, they would never lose to a a girl, or like, you know, they play harder when they play a girl because they don't want anyone to say they've lost to a girl, or mm. people, you know, teasing each other after losing to a girl, like you lost to a girl, like, like I have to imagine that sixty years ago would have been worse than it was. 20 years ago so it's, it's not that, even potsers i mean like fisher said he can beat any female player down a piece right with peace odds yeah. uh kasparov said some i think pretty toxic things as well yeah so so i i have to assume that that's like weirdly missing from the show but i'm willing to still enjoy it and one thing too that i was kind of trying to elicit from you guys i mean we talk about i i really do feel that racism gets really de-escalated in the chess world but it's it's and, and the misogyny though is a totally different thing in the chess world it's it can be really intense and oftentimes you can walk around the chess world be around the chess world and you're not even aware of it but then once you see the trolls <laughs> once you see the trolls whether it's on a twitch chat or a youtube chat and it's so toxic and you're like oh this is something we got to talk about and it's it's really weird and i think where let me just say this i think the best explanation i have for it was when years ago there was somebody made like a chess girls and porn site it was just pictures of girls playing chess and i and then at that moment i was like oh that's that's a big part of it man that's a huge part of it we got to talk about that it is really weird and i don't really have a handle on it but that's definitely a part of it um and you see and honestly you see it on twitch too if there's any 
woman streaming on the Twitch, it's just like, oh man, she's got a lot of followers all of a sudden, you know? It, and that's, that's just weird and twisted, man. This is weird and twisted. But a lot of hate followers too. A lot of people who will just follow these streamers just to like crap on them, right? And it's not just chess, right? I mean, that's like other other video games too. Yeah, yeah, that's just the Twitch thing. Maybe just a human thing. Yeah. I agree with Seth when he says the drug use uh, was definitely weird and off. And they're just taking that from the book. Another thing in the book that's just like, you know, doesn't, didn't feel real to me at all. Yeah. The thing that really bothers me though, is um, there's a lot of like sea lions too. Do you guys know what a sea lion is in this context? No, tell us about a sea lion. This is a term, I think it's fairly recent. It's like someone who pretends to have like a valid viewpoint, but they're actually just like this hateful misogynist. Like the classic example is when like, you know, someone brings up um, female titles. I often see it like on Twitter. If you just, yeah. if you just look at Jen Shahadi's responses to any of her tweets, there'll always be one or two people that are like, yeah. what's the deal with female titles? Like, aren't we saying that women are worse than men by offering? And it's like, they're not actually trying to discuss it. They're just trying to like crap on women. That's, that's like literally their, what they're trying. Cause you, you know, you look at their feed and it's all of this like anti-feminist stuff. It's never like, a feminist who's then comes out and is like, oh, well, I don't, you know, and when they, there are a few, but I think they're actually taken seriously. Like it's much more mm. reasonable when like a woman comes out and says like, she doesn't like the female titles versus like these random. Uh, and internet. why are we, why are we demeaning sea lions when we call them this sea lion thing here? <laughs> is that a reason? Um, the way I understand it, I don't know if this is where it comes from. Sea lions make a very annoying uh, screech, uh, screeching uh, sound, <laughs> if you've ever heard in San Francisco. And that's what it, they, these people sound like on the internet, just very loud and annoying. Uh, get it. All right. <laughs> sea lions, right? Yeah. Um, but I am well, messy. I don't think we should insult animals by like comparing bad humans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So I guess you guys are putting in. So you guys won on that one. So I had good, and you guys are going superb on that one. Yeah. There, we'll put it there. Um. Oh yeah. There were some famous players. Uh, there was a question about like who is actually depicted. As existing in this universe and who wasn't so fisher didn't exist in this universe otherwise everyone right. would have been talking about him <laughs> all the yeah. time um morphe did and a lot of players did they mentioned like capablanca they mentioned botvinnik mm -hmm. i think even right. spassky petrosian uh Caprindishvili. <laughs> what i thought was funny is though that one of bet's games is like morphe's famous opera game where he wins yeah. with like rook d8 it's like i thought morphe existed in your universe that means everyone should know this game <laughs> by heart <laughs> right, right, right she shouldn't be able to play morphe's game against the u.s champion if the u.s champion studied morphe's games <laughs> 70 years ago yeah what are the odds hey thanks sonia again for the bits so much appreciated i mean they, oh, tried, I they tried to basically like include chess history so it was like true chess culture but then not like sully or or mess with like the historicity of anybody real's name by having her beat that person I think right. that's what they were going for, right? So they tried to go, like, up until, like, the people she had to play, and then they made them, like, fictional. Mm -hmm. um, so which, the, I thought, which I thought was reasonable. I and mean, they tried to give, like, the flavor of, like, 
you know, 1950 to 1970 period, right? I mean, they even had this like tournament where it's like half the top Soviet players and then half players from other countries, right? Yeah. So it's like, it echoes the like actual balance of power of like the USSR versus the world kind of match. Now, Tonev is saying that the author wrote that Borgov is based on Spassky. Yeah. Uh, Beth Harmon faced, uh, based on Fisher and Lushenko, who's another character based on uh, Tall. And uh, the guy in the cowboy hat was based on David Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. Uh, I, I got that. When I was watching it, I thought that it was Fisher and Spassky. But right. I actually thought, I definitely get the Fisher thing. I actually thought they're also comparing her to uh, to Morphe. Because, um, of course, the, her one friend tells her, like, oh, you're a lot like Morphe, and her style matches up. But also, like, she kind of follows Morphe's trajectory in which she beats everyone in America, and then she goes to Paris to play against, like, the world's best players. Mm -hmm. uh, although she doesn't crush everyone there, but that was kind of Morphe's story uh, as well. Um, and, okay, he had, he had issues with uh, mental health, as did Fisher. So, yeah, that's obviously in there as well. Anyway, I'm pretty sure that if anybody here watches it, they will be glad that they watched it or they'll enjoy it. I'm, I'm like pretty confident, you know, that every single person here would probably enjoy it. Maybe one exception, but zero to one exceptions. Mm -hmm. I was very surprised that we, I thought we were going to do big battles. I thought we were going to have big battles in this, but we actually, yeah, there was broad consensus on our list here. Yeah. So we should, let's post this on Twitter and this is the truth. This <laughs> is the truth. Yeah, I'll take yeah. a uh, I'll take a screenshot. <laughs> I had an earlier question asking me uh, about German movies. Um, German movie, you know, it's a funny business. I, I definitely think one of the, I don't know if it's one of the best movies of all time, but it's definitely immortal. And I've seen it probably eight times is uh, Das Boot. Das Boot is an amazing movie. Yeah. Is that a chess movie? No, oh. I just that so was just a Twitter, just a chat question. It's a boat movie. I, that's a boat. That's right. Cool. Uh, all right, guys. Well, we'll be wrapping it up there. That was a really fun show. Uh, if you missed the first part, it will be up on YouTube uh, this week. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also catch the the Twitch vod. And uh, yeah, we got and we got Sunday night at the fights. We're a little late. And we got Vishnu playing in an actual tournament right now. Yeah, we I was going to say, we should follow that as well. <laughs> That'll yeah. be fun. Yeah. All right. I'm going to peace out, everybody. Have a All right, great guys. rest of the Sunday. Enjoy the fights. Toasty and Jesse, have a good time. All right. We'll be right back. Thanks, guys. See ya.